Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into As I Was Saying podcast. I am your host, Shine Tyler Jacobs. So to my more seasoned listeners, thank you once again for joining us for another week. To my new listeners, thank you for taking time out of your day to experience the As I Was Saying podcast experience. So what do we have for you this week? Well, funny story, not actually funny. A few weeks ago, I was in Walmart and I decided to do a little bit of experiment for myself. Especially because the shelves are, you know, still very much um, dry when it comes to certain items as far as, you know, paper paper products, you know, um, hygiene products. So, I decided to do an experiment where I bought my menstrual products and my every other day needs, whether that be food, soap, all those different things separately. What I found was... The list that had 20 items, and this is ranging from I got a hairbrush, I got food, I got hand soap, I got, I even think I got like a little t-shirt, it came out to about 43 something dollars, right? I got six items of menstrual products, three products that were tampons, three products that were pads, and it was more than my 20 items with only six items, right? Crazy. So it made me think about the fact that still to this day, we are pink taxing items. We do not see uh, menstrual products as a necessity for folks who menstruate. And I decided to, you know, take this issue up and have a conversation with a young woman who started Help End Period Poverty at the age of 17 in Connecticut and is now rallying for change on not only um, the systematic level as far as, you know, reaching out to um, her administrators in her state, but also helping to end it in the school system and is also looking to address period poverty in our incarceration system, so women in prison, as well as women who are in the homeless community. So I'm going to be quiet because you know I could talk for hours, and I would like to introduce you all to Stephanie, and I hope you enjoy this interview, and I hope it gives you a little insight of what period poverty is, and most importantly, how it impacts everybody. So take a listen. Hi, Stephanie, and welcome to As I Was Saying Podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. How's everything, um, you know, regarding this pandemic that we're in, especially with the work that you're doing? I notice that there's a lot of conversation, a lot of maybe situations that people think really were impacting them. So what does that look like in you, with you and your community? Um, right now, I would say there is less of a area like everyone's wearing their mask and following the rules I would say um and everyone's kind of enjoying this nice day outside right now but definitely with social distancing and with regards to feminine products there definitely is a need for that right now and with what I'm doing we're definitely helping a lot of women who don't have access to that during this time it's definitely something new that I've never you know experienced pandemic before but we're hanging on and staying hopeful. I, I First of all, I really love that. And I think that's so interesting that 2020, it's like, we're having a great day, you know, social distancing. And it's like, I never thought I would be saying this in any point in like the 25 years I've been alive. But it's like, this is now like a normality. Mm-hmm. I'm now like, I look at people's masks and I'm like, oh, I like that print. And I'm like, is this a thing? <laughs> I've been seeing your work and everything that you're doing. So if you would not mind, I definitely want 
um, our listeners to know what you're doing and know the platform that you started because they're probably like, oh my gosh, like what did you start? So <laughs> if you can take the stage at this point and really tell everybody what you're doing, what your work is and why it's important. I recently started this project, I would say, and it's just called Help and Peri Poverty. And I started it in 2019 with my sister. She's a year younger than me. And we just kind of saw like a random YouTube video on how it's titled, How Homeless Women Cope With Their Periods. And I never really thought about it until I watched the video. And I was like, wow, like they like homeless women don't just need food and shelter. They need other products that they're not getting access to. And it's really, it just hit me. Like I was like, oh my God, I want to do something about it. So we came together and thank God we were just a part of Live Girl. They did so much for us. They kind of helped us start our project and get it going. And with that, we were able to do fundraisers and drives at my school. And I go to an all-girls school. So bringing this project to there definitely opened the eyes of many people. So bringing it to my school definitely raised more awareness of this issue in the beginning because I definitely feel like I never really thought about it. So I feel like people were in the same boat as me. So starting this project just started something and I'm very like proud of myself for doing it. So I've never really been the person to take charge of things and be like a leader, but Live Girl definitely helped me embrace that within me and express it to others. So what we've been doing with the fundraisers and drives is buying feminine products. And so far, I would say we raised around $2,000 worth of feminine products. So Live Girl really helped my sister and I just take this project to the next level and spread the word. And then that's when we created like an Instagram page and it's called just help.n.period.poverty. And then a website as well. And that's just called help and peripovertyproject.org. And with their like help and like their mentorship, we were able to bring that project to our school and start fundraisers and drives. And at the moment we did two major drives and that kind of like the first drive raised $950 and the second one raised $650. And with that, I got my school since we go to an all girls school and we have to wear uniforms. We have a day where we kind of just wear whatever clothes you want to wear, call it a dress down day. And they bring in $5 and all that money just went to buying feminine products. And from the first drive, we bought 68 boxes of tampons and pads and we kind of brought that to our school and had the girls package them into like little bags just to bring the community together and work on this project and just educate them more on what they're doing and how what they're doing is helping others and not just, you know, it's not just a donation, it's really impactful. And the second drive, we recently just used the money to buy products and we bought 36 boxes. We didn't get the chance to package them because of the pandemic. So we just donated the boxes straight to an organization in Darien called Person to Person. They were very thankful for the donation because right now they are having women come in in like need of feminine products, but they don't really have enough. So with our donation, they definitely can help a lot of women. We did another drive at a volleyball game that I had since I was on team in, in the fall. And we had a game against our rival school and it just kind of brought both teams together to play for period poverty. And we collected around 30 boxes of products. And with that, I still have the boxes and I plan on packaging them to make it more, to keep the tradition, I would say, of like packaging the products and definitely doing our donations soon. I'm kind of happy that we're able to donate to people who really need it, especially during this time. 
not that I'm happy about the pandemic, but just giving it to more people and giving them the opportunity to get what they need. More, yeah, <laughs> more folks in need. I like that. I'm not happy about the pandemic, but I do like the chance to give back. And I really enjoy how you utilize your high school and the organizations you're already a part with to partner and really support you in this. And I actually did not know that it just came from you watching a video and was like, hey, like this is a problem, which definitely is a testament to you in seeing a problem and really saying, well, okay, how can I solve this problem in my daily life? And even packaging the products, that's amazing because I do think having that touch of you know hope and that touch of like, hey, someone cares about you means a lot. So I think that's really awesome that you want to make sure these products are being packaged and not just kind of like, okay, hey, take them. So with that, and when I stumbled upon your page, I actually, I don't know what made me do it one day. I, I think I tagged you actually in and I went to the store and I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy my stuff, like, you know, my food, all the things I need for, you know, life forward. You know, when you get a little, this is the trick when you get a little older, things get more expensive and you don't really know why. Like it just happened one day, you know, I, my mom, my parents, like when you turn 23, just all goes down and I'm going to be 25 and I'm like these bills. But anyway, I was like, I'm going to go to the store and I decided to buy products separately. So I literally bought, you know, food and, you know, different toiletries. And I think I needed body wash. And then I bought my menstrual products separately. And I went on social media and I was like, okay, I got like 20 items over here as far as food, hair care products, and just random stuff. And I think altogether that was like $43. And I, I'm sure I still remember because it just made me, wow, $43 for like 20 items of food and everything. I got six different items of products and that was $50. And I really sat there and was like, wait a minute, like this is a serious thing. And so the question I wanted to ask you and for anyone who's listening and, and you know, you don't know why this is a problem, only 17 states do not tax menstrual products and it's considered a luxury item in every other state. So why in 2020 do you think folks still see these products as a luxury as opposed to a necessity? So I definitely think that the way they're marketed is that they're colorful, they're pink, they're purple, like kind of just appealing to like female, like feminine attributes, I would say. And with those extra colors, it kind of just makes the price go higher. And I'm like, why should, why is that the issue? Why, why are they doing that? And then like men's products are just black, blue, plain, gray, and they're like cheaper. And I'm like, that's so unfair. That shouldn't be something we have to deal with, especially in 2020. But I would, back to your story, like, I definitely went to CVS and bought myself, like, just products, and I was like, wow, why is it 30 bucks for, I would not, like, four boxes of stuff. Why? That could buy, like, nice dinner. So, yeah. Right, like, two people yeah, dinner, yeah. like, nice. Exactly. So I told my sister, I'm like, this is ridiculous. But, and, like, it's so sad that we're going through it. But imagine people don't have money. Mm -hmm. They have to sacrifice their food to buy menstrual products. And why are they going through that? it should be like a right to be able to buy their own products or just receive products that are not cheap because that could be kind of, um, that can have pose like health risks as well. And also get food because that's the right to have food and shelter. But it's so sad how people don't have that. But anyways, back to the pricing on um, things. So definitely like I would, I like was looking online and like there are companies that do like market their products and then they up the price and all that. But it, in general, 
products that are like more colorful they have like or like special edition they have higher prices and it's not even really a tax like I know the pink tax is kind of the whole thing where like feminine products are just like like feminine products not menstrual products just like in general are just taxed and it's higher because of how they look like and they're just marketed as oh it's a special edition that you should buy this like now um and even though the price is a little higher people would still buy it because it's more appealing like even I when I was growing up like I would buy products that are just you know colorful sparkly whatever doesn't matter the price but now as I'm older I'm looking at it I'm like okay do I really need this product where I can buy the same one different color whatever just cheaper but also the pink tax isn't really like a tax a physical tax and yeah the pink tax is is really like an ideology like you said it's not like when you go to the store and it's like hey these are pink here's an extra three cents because you know as crazy as I think some of like legislation is I don't think they're open enough to do that openly but there definitely is a difference between like you know my razors and my brother's razors and they're the same razors they're at they're, yeah. everything is made in the same processing facility but for some reason like you said I think it's like an estimated almost $500 that women yeah. <laughs> spend in products like you said as a whole or you know any type of hygiene products menstrual products as a whole as opposed mm -hmm. to quote-unquote male products just because it's like you said they're pink they're purple and it really is geared toward women for no reason like pen for mm -hmm. women and it's like what does that even mean it's a pen <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah um and like also like male I would say like Viagra like that's covered and that's not as expensive as you know feminine products that we need like we need this they don't need that that's optional but mm -hmm. it's just ridiculous like I just think it's ridiculous <laughs> it's ridiculous and I'd also like to take a pause because I definitely feel which is which is awesome because us using a lot of like these phrasings like the pink tax hygiene products menstrual products feminine products so um, if you want to go and like research what a lot of these things mean as you listen to this episode i encourage that i'd also like to state that when we use terms during this episode like female or male products in today's time there is a pink tax for the quote-unquote female feminine product so it's not our personal what that is that is just hey like for whatever reason the government thinks like if it's pink and you're a quote-unquote woman you're gonna buy this so i just wanted anyone you know to kind of understand why there might be a lot of terminology bouncing back and forth so if you want to look more into that i would encourage it and so going with that because i have i think had my cycle since i was i want to say like 11 or 12 years 12 years old and when it comes to also changing like legislation and changing you know all of these things to make more funding for you know menstrual products or to have more funding for helping women who are homeless and women who are incarcerated because that's what we need i also think sometimes there is a social narrative that needs to shift so do you feel like because there is a lack of empathy when it comes to dealing with folks with menstrual cycles as a whole you know when it comes to like if you're cramping if you're bloating if you feel like you need to leave work do you think that's also a component on why this issue sometimes doesn't get enough attention? Like, do you think people do not respect the fact that this 
bodily function, you know, although it's supposed to be natural, is very hard. Like some people Mm -hmm. can't even leave their house, you know, and this is like us talking about in America, in certain countries, like you genuinely can't even leave your house. Exactly. And yet people just brush it off like, oh, you know, well, why is it important? Just get over it. It's natural. So do you think there's a lack of empathy and that also adds to this issue? I definitely think there is, but especially during like 2020, I feel it's getting a little better. And even with issues that aren't related to menstrual cycles, like for example, breastfeeding, like people are getting better with that in the work offices and like they're just providing spaces for women to do that on their own time. But with menstrual cycles, there definitely is a lack of understanding, especially on like the male perspective, like they don't really understand what we're going through and they just because we're not physically like it's really internal I would say like feelings and cramps pain all that so it's not like external so they can't really see what we're going through so therefore like I feel like they don't really understand but what I'm doing is just like with this project I'm just educating people on that and especially on like homeless people like they just I would say it's just very like hard to understand something you can't physically see overall and with especially in like schools and different work environments people just kind of told to just oh yeah suck it up deal with it but sometimes it's impossible to do that like I've had friends who couldn't even come to school because they're just cramping so much and it just hurts so bad they can leave their beds and I would really feel bad for them because they're missing school like like, I don't know I've grown up and I've never really missed that many days of school because I love coming to school but and especially in third world countries people miss a lot like women young girls too miss a lot of school and that truly affects their education and I kind of think of it as a ripple effect like period poverty is a ripple effect because not just affects women who don't have access to what they need but also that affects their households and like they can't work they can't provide money for their family and that just affects the economy as well but I would say that would be more for like smaller countries and like those third world countries but it just really if you really look at it like that, it just causes a huge ripple effect in the long run. I think you are so correct in that aspect. It is a ripple effect because, you know, if you have young girls who can't go to school, then they're lacking their education, which is putting whatever community you're in. And I think the biggest thing about community that people forget is that we are all one community at the end of the day. Like at some point we are all Mm -hmm. going to overlap because you're totally right with that. And I, I actually forgot that because I've heard that, you know, when I've done different workshops or read things about period poverty, that like the educational aspect of that is impacted. And like you said, even you going to your high school, having people miss days. Like when I was younger in middle school and I didn't really know how to deal like with my, with my menstrual cycle. And that's another thing sometimes people don't realize is it takes you, it takes your body sometimes even a while to level it out. Like now in my twenties, I can look at my little calendar or I can feel a certain way and be like, okay, this is starting in a few days. But when you're younger, sometimes your body is not fully acclimated to this process. So it'll come this day, one month, this day, another month, and it'll be like a surprise. And I think for a good year, every month or so, I had to go home on like the first or second day because my body would like, I would be pale and sweating. And they were like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with her? And it would be my, my cycle. Like that's exactly what would happen. It would put, it would, like you said, make me leave school and I am someone who's privileged enough to have access to medicine and doctors and all these different things. And yet I still had to leave school because it was just, they couldn't really do anything for me. And I, I actually love your answer mm-hmm. because I do think the lack of empathy is 
what hurts us in the long run. Because even like I said, as an adult, because when you get into period poverty, it also comes down to just, I personally feel like a lot of pain that we face as a whole, like I have a cyst, I had a cyst on one of my ovaries, went to the hospital. They were just kind of like, okay, take ibuprofen, have a, a blessed day. And I'm like, you know exactly what you said. If this was a quote unquote male issue, I think you would have more that you could offer me. Like you said, Viagra is just given out like it's Tic Tac, but yet we have homeless and incarcerated folks who don't have the products mm-hmm. that they need. And so can you also speak a little bit more towards, you know, that specific population of people and why mm-hmm. and why we should care and what we can do to help both incarcerated and homeless people? Because like you said, right now um, within the pandemic, I think people are even seeing how empty these shelves look. And like you said, it's making us look more at maybe what we're buying because the financial impact that we're facing personally, but like you stated, even when this is over, this is still going to be mm-hmm. an issue. So what should we look for? Why does this matter? And what can we do, you know, to raise this mm-hmm. issue, even in our, in our own communities? So the incarcerated women facing this issue is that I've seen a lot of TV shows and documentaries on women in prisons and how incarceration happens with them. Overall, I would say funding would be a very critical issue because like with that they don't get like proper food or just like nutritional food and then funding in those facilities has very always been an issue and with that they definitely cut down on what the women need what they receive and with that they would resort to cheaper products overall and I would say like me personally if I was in desperate need of like a pad or a tampon, I would use whatever I have. And like at my school, there would be the cheaper products that are kind of a bit uncomfortable. They have like the cardboard, you know, like inserting thing and just the pads are just very like big and uncomfortable. But then like what I would buy would be like smaller things that are just to me personally like better. Um, but I would still use them because I'm in desperate need of them. But like imagine getting that all the time and not giving the option to like choose what fits them better and what their comfort level is, that's kind of like, in a way, dehumanizing women, I would say, because that's what I'm doing with my project, is I'm getting women access to higher quality products and giving them the option between tampons and pads, not just one specific item, but with women who don't have an option, like, I don't know, just to me, that's just so like dehumanizing. But with women facing incarceration, um, back to that, I would say maybe one day I could do a drive and just focus on those women because they do, they should get an opportunity to receive proper products and just better quality products. But also homeless women, they definitely should deserve a chance to just receive something that isn't cheap or unfavorable. I actually wrote, I wrote this point down and I think it's very important to highlight for what you're doing because it's not only about having access to just (laughs) these products like it's not just about saying like okay you have a pad or a tampon it's about saying like you have some a product that is comfortable for your body you have access and you can use it because you're absolutely right for folks who might not be folks who menstruate or like you never you know even notice Mm -hmm. but there are different levels like there are certain size pads like they're overnight and regular day and a light day and things that you know, they have wings, you don't have wings, and then you have tampons that are like multiple different sizing, which, you know, even companies have started to realize you can't just give 
like a million people mm-hmm. one size tampon because it's like everyone's bodies are different as far as their personal fit of a body, but also like the way that that cycle works. But I do like that point in what you're trying to do it because it's humanizing these women. Like it's not, it's dehumanizing, like you said, to just kind of throw you a cardboard product, something where to be completely honest, you probably got another brand in your house. Mm-hmm. Like you're giving us this. Exactly. Like what I'm getting people, I'm, that's what I buy. Like I buy yes. like always brand and I'm giving people the always brand. Cause for me, I think that, one of the best friends, I'd say. <laughs> I've been using my whole life, so like, I definitely want to give people the same comforting feeling that I get in a way. Because like, I would we'd buy like night pads, so the longer ones, and then the regular ones, and we do the super and regular tampons, and like we buy them at Costco in bulk. So we definitely get like a lot. Like there'd be almost a hundred tampons in just one box at yeah. our other drives. Like we were able to make, I would say, around like close to seven hundred bags total. I think we have a package um, between the volleyball drive that we did and then the first drive that we did. And just giving people the option to choose what they want to use. And if they, I would say, I don't know, if they don't want to use it, they don't have to use it. They could just give it to, I don't know, like their friend, their daughter, whatever. But um, it definitely just, I want to give people the option because I would not, me personally, I would feel so horrible if I just have to be stuck with the same cheap products and just the inability to choose what I want to use. Hmm. That you actually gave me a very, I I really like that perspective because, you know, I've heard about period poverty for so long and it's like, okay, like let's get access to products, Mm -hmm. but you just took it to another level. Like let's not only get access to products, but let's humanize with these products. Like I just don't want to give you this dollar box of like 30 pads product i want to give you like you said what i would use with my body i want to give you you know a product where you can feel like they care about me and i think that's you know even going back to the beginning of this conversation when you said you know you want to package them yourself or with your community members i think that really shows your community aspect of this where it's like everything you're doing is like i care it's not just like hey like this is a problem here take this everything you're doing is amazing and i i've genuinely enjoyed this conversation because i think even though like you said like some of these questions you might not have thought a lot a lot like in depth in you're still out here doing the work at a young age like you started doing this in high school like you saw an issue and you went into it and I'm really honored to be speaking with someone who you know is doing the work even when you felt like maybe okay I don't have all this information but what I do know is this is a problem and I can just get these these products to them and I can learn as I go exactly yeah and like I definitely feel like I did reach out to my state representative to like address this issue but there was just a lack of communication between us in a way. Like, I love her, but like, there just wasn't enough um, momentum. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to do what I'm doing and just donate to my local community because there are people in my community and I live in Stanford and there's definitely like two different ends of it and especially people with like different economic statuses. So being able to help people in my own community made me realize that we're not all the same, we're all different and like it's okay. And I just want to give back to those that I feel need and also there are like two girls in Greenwich who have petitioned and like trying to like get a bill passed so I feel like they're doing what they need to do and I'm doing what I need to do and we're definitely hitting two different areas of period poverty which is great and I was in contact with them too and they I believe recently passed it and then they got all the public schools in Connecticut to get free access to like tampons and pads for the schools 
but what my project kind of focuses on just getting the products directly to all women, not just schools. So I feel like there's enough being done. And whenever I would go to donate, people would tell me, okay, feminine products, there's not enough of them. And they're the first things to go. Whenever people come to like food pantries to get what they need, first things to go. And I'm like, wait, like I want to give them more. Cause like I went to volunteer at a food pantry in at person to person in Darien, Connecticut. I realized like, okay, there's food here and there's a section for toiletries, but there's no products. And I was like, okay, interesting. So I spoke to someone about it and she's like, yeah, they're the first things to go and there's not enough of them to give out. So from that moment, I decided to focus on that organization. And then I would say we have the best relationship back and forth. And we definitely donate a lot to them because people from all over Fairfield County come to that organization to like get what they need. And kind of adding on to like how whenever people donate, I would say back then people just donate what they don't use or like whatever is kind of like crappy and all that. But then at first person, I volunteer in the clothing like closet where they do like have people come in, drop off their donations and they would have the clients like come in and shop for the clothes they want. And same with the food, people would give in like their old clothes, but they're also nice. And I was like, oh, like this is yay, like go, go you. And yes. like designer brands too, that they'll be just be donating. And I'm like, more organizations should do that because people need to get jobs. They need to look nice to get jobs. Exactly. In a way. And getting scraps of people, that's not fair. You're and you're correct with that because that's actually one thing I learned. Um from working with the homeless community, even back when I was in New Jersey, and I'm starting to do it more now that I relocated to the Atlanta area, the fact that so many people don't actually even know, you know, the products or whether what clothing the homeless community needs. And I think also what's important is what you just said, you went to your community, it's like, hey, like, what are what are we missing? Right? Because the same things that you might need in, you know, Stanford, Connecticut, or might be different than someone in like Manhattan or someone in Atlanta or someone in LA. I think that's also very important, like you said, really zeroing in on your community and also zeroing in on what, what they need. Because actually, I think, if I'm not mistaken, socks are one of the biggest things that's not donated that people, you know, the homeless community actually needed that they're looking for, like a lot of these organizations. But like you said, they're not donating it because people are just giving their own stuff, their old stuff. So that's one thing I actually do. I will like go out and buy stuff and be like, okay, here's something new. And exactly like you said, even if my stuff is newer looking, like I'm like, okay, great. This is what you can do. Actually, I graduated from William Patterson University. And one of the things we would do would be an event with one of the women's shelters in the community and it would be a resume writing like haircuts you know facials because like you said it's not just about having people have clothing like the goal of you know working with the homeless population is number one first and foremost i think with any or any platform is keeping people safe you know because it's going to be a process but we want to keep you safe through it but like you said the goal is for you not to be homeless so if i'm giving you clothing if i'm giving you these things you know, like you said, you want it to be nice. We we want you to, to get a job. We want you to be able to get housing. We want you to be able to do all these things. So why am I like limiting this by being like, oh, I'm just going to throw out some old clothes. And I definitely pinpointed that, you know, in the notes, it really is about humanizing people. And that's what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, that's you know, like you said, don't just yeah. give someone your old clothes, like give them something nice, give them something you would want to wear if you were in a situation where you felt like, I don't see maybe opportunity for me to go into an interview because like you said, I don't even have mm -hmm. access to a suit. 
dress or a resume and, and different things like that. So th- you are awesome. And so in closing, I think the only note to leave it on mm-hmm. because you were someone who just picked up this idea one day and said, you know, what, I'm gonna make change. You said you reached out to some of the people even in your community, you know, some people responded, some people didn't, but mm-hmm. you still exactly. went forward with the information that you had. So, and this is like a two part question. So number one, in closing, why does period poverty matter to everyone? Like you said before, I think we touched on it, whether it be education, whether it be pain, like why does it matter to everyone? And if we wanted to make change in our community in regards to period poverty, you know, who do we speak to and how should that look? Mm -hmm. So to answer the first question, it should matter to everyone because as I said before, like it's definitely a ripple effect and it's just a form of like, ending this issue and just getting people the access that they need and the products they need it's just like a form of equality because it's not fair that we have to go through this in the first place but hey overall i would say definitely tackling this issue is just a form of equality because again it's not fair having to spend extra money on something when we can buy other things but yeah it, it should matter to everyone because getting dehumanized for it and getting embarrassed by it and all and again with the stigma like we should be embarrassed of ourselves and ashamed of something that just happens naturally and people do continue the stigma and with what I'm doing it's definitely trying to end it and with my project I definitely spoke to my whole upper school and they're all girls and there were like you know we have a few male teachers but um everyone was supportive of what we're doing and I'm very like thankful to have that support group and also my friends, like now they're openly talking about it, about their periods and all that. And I'm like, okay, this is great. And like, I'm happy that we're able to comfortably confide in each other. Um, when in middle school, I wouldn't talk to anybody about like what I was going through. And I feel like everyone was just embarrassed and shy about it. So definitely, in conclusion, <laughs> definitely ending the stigma would be to help eradicate period poverty. Because without the stigma, more people would realize, okay, there's nothing gross about tampons or pads, so I'm just going to buy some and donate them and just kind of have this working community because I feel like people definitely would avoid purchasing those products just to donate them because, like, ew, like, who would be caught buying these products? Like, they just have to stigma. And I know, like, back then, people would be even embarrassed to put on the counter and just pay for the, what they need. But in 2020, I feel like we're getting better with that, and there are more women openly talking about it and, like, my Instagram handle just... I follow different accounts that empower women to just not be afraid of this natural occurrence. And the second question, I would say that if you do see period poverty in your own communities, I would say definitely rethink how you're dealing with your menstrual cycle and how other people in your community would be dealing with it as well. And what you can do to help would be to just donate more products, I would say, to just get more people receiving products because there definitely is a lack of them in like every like shelter or food pantry there's definitely like a lack of that but also to take it a step further would be to contact your state representative to just get someone in legislation to make a difference in that state or community even though it can be a little challenging does take time we'll get there one day 
I love that. It's, it's laying the groundwork. So Stephanie, where can we find Help End Period Poverty? Where is your website? Any information that we can look for as far as even donating, whether that be people, you know, maybe sending in your local community or people, like I said, who might listen to this, who are in other neighboring areas, who might follow and be like, hey, like I'm in Atlanta, I'm in New Jersey, but I'd like to help. So where can we follow you? What's your website? And how can, you know, folks help fund and donate to your mission? All right, so my website, our, our website is called helpandperiodpovertyproject.org. And on the website, we do have like information and especially like a lot of pictures. I love to take pictures and just share, share what we're doing. So I feel like there's not enough evidence of like people doing this. So I definitely feel like getting it out there is just empowering as well. So we do have like those pictures that we're doing and where we donate to. And we did try to do a GoFundMe page, but we did have an issue with that a few months ago. So I think we're going to try that again. And that way, like people who aren't directly connected to me can like donate money to what we're doing. And all we do with the money is just buy more products and then bag them or just donate the boxes just to get more products out there into the hands of people who need it. And definitely, as I said before, giving them the option to choose on what they need and what they want. And then we also have an Instagram page. It's just called help.n.period.poverty. And on that, we also post updates on like when we donate and just like some any news going on with like period poverty in general in the U.S. or even in Connecticut. And our website's also on that in the bio on the Instagram page. And at the moment, we have like 200 followers, and they're definitely like my friends. And also, other organizations follow us, and it's very like empowering because I'm only 18 years old, and like I'm having other organizations like come talk to me and tell me that I'm doing a great job and I'm like okay like wow this is just something different and new to me and I definitely will take this further because I'm next year I'm going to the University of Richmond and I definitely want to like make a club so I want to like take it there and not just make it leaving Connecticut take it to Richmond because I know that there's going to be this issue there and I've already talked to some of my friends who are going there and they're interested in the same issue so this is we already have this connection networking and groups and like I'm just so excited to just continue it continue this and take it a step further and I'm definitely going to leave this project with my sister in Connecticut because she's a, a year younger than me. And I want to make it go like, just bigger because why not? <laughs> there's more people who, are, who need help and I'm willing to just do everything that I can to help them. And it's not, it's just, like our, our project is obviously like nonprofit. So like, I'm not doing this for money or anything. It's just I'm doing it if I want to help women. And I feel like this is an issue that's not getting addressed all the time. And yeah, I would say like every little bit helps. Like my friends have been very generous and even just coming to the packaging days to show their support and help us. And that's very, like it means a lot to me. People are doing that. Thank you so much for what you're doing and congratulations <laughs> when it you. comes to um, university. And I'm very happy to be able to talk to someone, like I said, who took a step in high school, like you said, being 18 years old and doing all of this. I wish you so much success within this. I know you're going to be changing a lot of lives. And I really do wish you, you know, to stay encouraged throughout the process of, you know, building this. And I know all, all the time when I talk to people I'd like to interview, I talked with you even before, like when you do things like this, you know, not everyone is like, oh, this is needed. I've done a lot of stuff and people sometimes are like, oh my God, like why? But what you're doing is exactly what you stated. It's ending a stigma and ending a stigma is ending a social narrative, which is really hard. It is really hard to be like, hey, we used to think this, 
but now we need to think this. And that is, I, I honestly tell people in a lot of movements, I think that's the biggest problem is how do you shift people's mind to understand that this is why, like you said, you need to vote to end period poverty. This is why we need awareness. This is why we need everybody hands on deck. So with that being said, enjoy the rest of not only your time as far as being an, a leader and a, your time as being a change maker, but enjoy the process of seeing your platform grow because you know you are you are young um, in that aspect of starting this, and it, it's only up you know when you start to now branch out and have these connections with organizations. And I'm sure I'm going to see you one day on the news because you know you went from getting. 500, you know, items to now having like 5,000 items and you're able to have, I don't know, like pop-up teams at all these different states because people are in it. I think big, I don't know, I'm a visionary. That's just what happens. It's, it's a part of, it's just a part of who I am. And I'm excited to be able to see you do that because you're going to be making change. Thank you so much for uh, taking time to speak with us. And Stephanie, it has been a pleasure. Wow. So that episode was amazing. A lot of terminology, a lot of insight, a lot of things to really consider. I think one of the things that really stuck with me was when Stephanie talked about having access to menstrual products is not only, you know, human rights as far as just, you know, giving out products, but making sure that there are choices and making sure that there are products that actually go with someone's body and humanizing them, which I think is very important because I think a lot of times as we spoke about an issue, we sometimes just throw what we think a community needs instead of actually taking time to really be like, okay, would you use this product? Would you eat this food? Would you wear this? And I really appreciate um, her trying to be sure all of these things are thought about with her mission. I also wanted to say that, you know, um, I know we went back and forth in the episode, but definitely um, making sure we say these products as menstrual products so we can include um, folks who are menstruators as well. And I just, I learned a lot. And, you know, even from going on to her website for the organization, I didn't realize how many states, like I didn't know off the top of my head, did not see menstrual products as a necessity, which is insane. So I encourage all of y'all to read about the pink tax, to read about period poverty, to understand how exactly what she said Folks not having menstrual products impacts us all. If people can't even go to school, if they can't go to work, if there's a stigma on it, and there should not be a stigma on periods. There should not be a stigma on menstruation. And instead, we should be looking into what folks need and making sure they have the products that can be sure to you know, make this not only a safe, but a comfortable process. Um, so the last thing I would like to add is if you are interested in helping out Help End Period Poverty, the link to the website and Instagram is in the show notes. I encourage you to donate, whether that be, you know, financial support, whether that be products, whether that be posting, whether that be asking how you can support maybe once, you know, um, a campaign comes along, anything like that. Really, 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 you know, go and support. And this goes for everyone because as we mentioned before, period poverty impacts us all. So thank you for joining me this week. And as I was saying podcast, once again, I am your host, Shia Tyler Jacobs. Thank you very much. And I'm looking forward to what we're going to be talking about next week. Enjoy.